Welcome back to another Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Hit that thumbs up for me and subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast. We've got an awesome show for you today. We've got Carson Wallace, the kid who you saw uh, giving it to that Astros fan in game one. We've got Bob Wankel on later. We've got now Kevin Kincaid. Let's bring him on. Kev. How we doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, 7-0. and Can't complain. Jalen Hurts, he's lobbing shot after shot over the Steelers' DB's heads. Kind of like how you lobbed shots after shots over Seth Joyner's head for a few weeks about his Negadelphia attitude. Yeah. Except, unlike the Pittsburgh Steelers, he responded. And he responded with this. Wait for wait for Dave to to pull that up. I guess. <laughs> we just, oh, off to a great start. We just, like, that, one, that one just awkward breath right in the middle of that one. So yeah, here we yeah. go. Uh, Kevin tweets out options for Seth Joyner after the game. They didn't win by enough points. The special teams coordinator needs to be fired. You can't get beat on a fake punt. AJ Brown should have four touchdowns instead of three. We blitzed more when I played Seth Joyner comes down i guess many hours later someone must have tipped him off this obviously at a show as well and yet all you haters are here talking about my analysis by the way at kevin Kate at me when you want to talk shit about me so i can roast your ass with facts you're a hashtag fanboy i'm an analyst so my job isn't to pat pom-poms it's to analyze the good and the bad holla at me with a little peace sign emoji kevin then responds hey seth you're a negative clown how's that for that Pretty good comeback, Kevin. I didn't know you had that in you. And then Seth Joyner responds back with, I'm not going to allow you to build your brand off of me. I can debate anyone with respect. The fact that you're disrespectful. Consider yourself a punk ass. Oh, consider your punk ass blocked. Hashtag clown that. Another peace sign emoji. Two alphas just going back and forth on Twitter. Kind of like the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight from this week. You know, you got like your little, you got your new, younger, kind of new media. You got your old analyst, former media. Are you worried about running into Seth Joyner at like a a charity event or like down at the link? Cause I'm going to tell you right now, Kev, if, if I'm with you, I'm probably going to be two steps behind. Sorry. No, no, I would be happy to say it to his face. I would tell him that he's a fraud. I mean, he's been a fraud since day one, you know, uh, but this is about that, Seth. That response, that, I, that response that I came yeah. back with, I was watching the uni. I was like engrossed in the uni. Game. I was like, I can't be fucking bothered with this right now. So I just came up with something real quick and tweeted him, but it was pretty good. How about some facts for Seth Joyner since he wants to talk about facts? I'll give you some facts, okay? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles sacked Kenny Pickett six times on Sunday. They hit him 11 times, and they hurried him 18 times. Um, you know, I got four – just so everybody understands that I'm not exaggerating here. Um, you know, I watched the Jacob Media postgame show from the Steelers game. And, you know, they run like their slate and it kicks off like four minutes into the YouTube stream or whatever. Right. We got to we got to 758 on the YouTube stream and Seth starts complaining about the pass rush and not getting to the quarterback enough. Um, doesn't like the four man rush, doesn't think the four man rush is good enough. Um, what did I just say, Pagan? They sacked him six times. They hurried 11. him 18 times and they hit him 11 times. OK, right. So just want to make sure I had that clear um, so he can't help himself. You know, it's it's the same shit over and over. It's exactly what I what I said it was. 
that he's, he's, like, a, he's complains like, about the same thing over and over again. You know, he's like someone on a diet, and he's like, "Hey, listen, you can't eat after six thirty. You got to intermittently fast." And you know what? But man, those chips are in the are in the drawer. That candy's in the drawer, and everything. Hey, one one little butterfinger won't hurt. That's Seth with the defense. This he can't he can't let the defense and the and the lack of blitzing in his mind deter him when the team is seven to zero right now when they're undefeated. You want a few more facts, Pig? And I have some more I love some facts lined up uh, here since Seth Joyner wants to talk about facts. Uh, I'll give you some Eagles defensive numbers after seven games, all right? 3.4 hurries per game tied for seventh. 183.4 net passing yards allowed per game, second best. 23 sacks is tied for fifth, all right? Let me say that again. 23 sacks is tied for fifth in the NFL. They also have the fifth most quarterback hits, 50 times they've hit the quarterback. They have six strip sacks. They're tied for first. They have 16 takeaways. They're tied for first. Six big plays allowed per game. They're tied for six. They don't give up big plays. They have allowed 18 opponents scoring drives. That's tied for first for the fewest. They have 2,087 net yards allowed. That's tied for first. They've given up the fewest yards of anybody in the league. Uh, they have 45 passes defended, which is the second best in the NFL. So, um, you know, when you look at that and I tell you that, what does that say to you? It says that they are schemed to prevent the big play, right? They don't want to give up anything big. That's that's what they are. We know that they that they have been that, you know. Yeah. Um, cover two, shell, um, you know, safety. Zone. Yeah. yeah, and you know, just like they don't want to get beat over the top. They don't want to give up big plays. You know, they give up more in the running game, of course. And obviously it's important when Jordan Davis is in there and they can go bare front and they can kind of stuff up the middle, you know. But Seth Seth won't look at those facts. He won't look at those numbers and analyze what he sees on the field because he's just got this idea that he hates Jonathan Gannon's scheme. You know, so so make that distinction. You can say that within the framework of what they're doing, they're doing a good job, but he doesn't like the framework of what they're doing, right? So he wanted to roast your ass with facts. Yeah, but his his facts, what he's saying are facts is really just his opinion because he doesn't like the way that they play. You know, he doesn't like the scheme that Jonathan Gannon has, but what they're doing works. You know, they've played with leads throughout most of these games, through every game, I guess, you know, and uh, they won 35 to 13 the other night and they sacked the quarterback six times. So I don't know what the fuck the guy's complaining about. If you don't like the scheme, I get it, you know, but... You sound like a broken record when you don't even get four minutes into your postgame show and you're complaining about the pass rush again. So. And, and those are all stats from a fanboy who is patting his pom-poms as uh yeah. Yeah. Patting, <laughs> pat, patting my pom-poms. I don't even know what that means. Look, I don't want to go like super because we've like litigated Seth before and like, I don't want to sit here and just bitch about him over and over again. But I, w- I would say this because people ask us, they're like, well, you know, he's a Eagles legend. He was a former player. Like, show some respect to the guy. I get that. Like, I don't want people to think that like we disrespect a guy who played the game during an era when it was really, really hard to play. Um, you know, he played on some good teams, right? Uh, but you know, the, the the bigger question is like, why why do we do why why do we go after people? Why do we do this? First of all, people got to understand we we don't go after nearly as many people as we used to. You know, if you read like Crossing Broad back in the day, Kyle was ripping. The Flyers, Marcus Hayes. Marcus Hayes, Tim Panaccio, you know, all those guys over and over again. And, and the reason for that was just that he felt like what they were doing was disingenuous and fraudulent. You know, if you feel like something's fraudulent or somebody's feeding you bullshit, then they should be called on it. You know, don't tell us all this stuff about the pass rush when they sacked the guy six times the other day. So what you're doing is contributing to an ecosystem in an environment where it's negative, it's pessimistic, and you're keeping people dumb and stupid. Because they look at you as a former player 
for knowledge and inspiration and respect, and you're feeding them bullshit in return, stuff that's just off base, you know? So that's always been the problem. That's why we call out guys like Angelo and Howard and stuff, because we just feel like they're, it's, it's fraudulent. They're feeding bullshit and they're, they're, what they're doing is detrimental to the greater Philadelphia sports ecosystem as a whole. You know what I mean? Well, it's also never good when uh, the person, the, the person who looks at you the way Mike Missanelli looked at Seth when he brought up the defensive line on the first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you could tell he was sort of sitting there thinking like, Oh, he know, couldn't believe he, it. Here we go again with this. We're not even five minutes in. And we're talking about the pass rush again, you know. So this is what Mike looked like on the on the on the broadcast right here. He just looked at Seth like they just won thirty whatever thirty five thirteen, yeah, and we're yeah. we're four minutes in. We haven't even broken down the game. We haven't even gotten to the offense, gotten to Jalen Hurts, gotten to anybody, and we're talking about the defensive line who sacked Kenny Pickett six times and 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 hit him eleven. I mean, that's just yeah, it's just personified, and I think that's. You're 100 percent right. Why, why, uh, why Kyle was able to make a living off this shit? Because you just call out fraudulent bullshit, and I think there's a lot of fraudulent bullshit right now with the fans and with people that we talk to and everything. And like, there's this whole thing where like the the Eagles are seven and zero. I mean, they're getting disrespected on ESPN. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum and Hasselbeck after the game are still saying this is the Cowboys' division to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking with people in our in our Slack chat from CB that is just like, you know, they're like, well, they haven't played anyone yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't done this. They haven't done that. Uh, it's Kenny Pickett. And I'm just thinking, like, the they're getting no love. They beat the 6-1 Vikings. They beat the 6-2 Dallas Cowboys with Cooper mm-hmm. Rush, don't get me wrong, but on yeah. a four-game win streak, which some guys, Seth, were saying there was a potential for embarrassment uh, if the Eagles play like they did against the uh, the Cardinals. And I know mm-hmm. Dallas came back in that game, but they were never really felt like they were really in it until, you know, they went on that seven-minute seven, seven minute drive, the Eagles, and yeah, and and, yeah. and put a put their uh, foot on their neck. But, like, you know, the haters say the defense isn't good. They haven't played anyone yet. It's, it's kind of all bullshit because, you know, you want to hear some stats? You gave me some stats. I'll give you some stats. Sure. Let's hear it. Uh, they're converting on third down. They're one of the top teams in that in third down percentage. They're scoring TDs in a red zone at 66%, which is awesome. They're coached well. They don't commit a lot of penalties, and they're innovative. Dave, can you pull up this formation where Dallas Goddard is lined up in the right tackle spot while Lane Johnson and Mylotta line up next to each other? It's like a little unbalanced formation. I've never seen anything like it, but I saw it on Twitter, and I thought it was so cool. And I know you're kind of a you're a tape dog a little bit. So, I mean, who's who's stopping that, Dave? We can, like... Yeah, get in on that. Look at this formation. So Dallas Goddard is here on the on the right tackle. Oh yeah, a little misdirection here. Where Chips they just a little go, bit. Yeah, they go yeah. jump. They go like uh, power to the left, like kind of a like a yeah, and then they matriculate kind of the guy through through traffic on the on the other side. Yeah, that's actually like an old school Chip Kelly play, man. They used they used to um, they used to hit like like Riley Cooper on that, you know, every so often where you just kind of sneak a guy through the middle there. Um, I mean, look how open Dallas Goddard is on that. Yeah, little little um, yeah, play action there to suck everybody in, and then you just sneak a guy out through the left side there. They, um, you know, it's it's funny, man, because people always talk about the strength of schedule and like who have they beat and whatnot. And um, you're like, honest to God, man, there's there's not a lot of good teams in the NFL this year. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad teams. You know, and so you know, you're looking at the NFC like the Eagles, and when the Niners are on, the Niners you know, look really damn good. Um, you know, and then you get, got the Bills and Chiefs on the other side. Um, I, I don't know what, what you want people to say. Like, I mean, they're 7-0, you know. Um, 
you know, you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And, you know, when they were off to a really good start in 2017, I mean, we pointed out the fact that they beat like CJ Beathard and, and Brock Osweiler, I think in like back-to-back weeks or something, but I, I don't know like what, what else you want, you know, what, what do you, what, what do you want us to say? It's like, do you want us to just keep trying doing the yeah, but thing? Cause we can do that over and over again, or we can at least try to enjoy seven and zero. cause seven and zero doesn't, doesn't happen very often, you know? So to me, it's like you, you choose the path where your brain is conditioned to take you, you know? And I, I think people are just conditioned to, to like for this negative, you know, kind, kind of outlook on it. I just, I just think that's like, I just think that's foolish. You know, sports, sport is supposed to be fun, man. If we're watching this and we're not enjoying ourselves and we're not having fun, we're just thinking about what they could do better, like looking for things to complain about Then It just seems to be like, like counterintuitive to me, you know? Well, it can't either because I'm just, I, I always go back to 2020 and I'm thinking about how miserable I was every single Sunday turning that game on every single Sunday. I mean, I still think about the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland game where, where Wentz overshot Miles Sanders and he hit that uh, Hawaiian linebacker in stride and he ran and he ran it all the way back. I think that game actually tied. That was a terrible oh. fucking game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, so I'm actually looking at the the odds right now, and you said there's only like three good teams in the NFC. This is this is mm. who DraftKings has for the NFC conference orders. They have the Eagles at plus one seventy five. They have the mm. Niners at five to one. They have Dallas at plus five fifty. They have the Minnesota Vikings at seven to one. So Minnesota Vikings are six and one, I think, right now, and they're still seven to one to win the league. Like mm. that, that tells me right there that the Eagles are taking this far and away with a plus 175. I mean, if you look at the other side in the AFC, it's Bills plus 105 and even the Kansas City Chiefs are only are, are plus 320 and then you you fall off really with the Ravens at, at 9 to 1 like yeah, yeah. Vegas really loves the Eagles. I mean, they're they're minus 500 to win the division. Minus 500. They're only two games up. You know what you um you know it's a good indicator of this is like uh and I don't put like a ton of stock in this, but it's a good there's it's a way to gather like a lot of different opinion and compare opinions because a lot of people do these kinds of stories. We don't do them on Crossing Broad and we never really have just because it's not really our territory, but like power rankings, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people do power rankings. Right. And so you look at most of them, it's like Eagles, Eagles, Bills, one, two, you know, right. I've seen some that, that where they think the Bills are better than the Eagles. And that's fine. But then you usually go Chiefs. And then like number number four, I'm seeing like the Cowboys at number four. You know, like the Giants <laughs> are getting is. disrespected. Yeah, the Giants are getting disrespected. Like people are kind of don't know what the Vikings are. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are five and two, but they've beaten five terrible teams in a row. They got like two against the Colts, the Texans, and beat the Commanders. I mean, Geno Smith and the Seahawks are five and three. They're breaking into the top ten, you know. They're they're number one in the NFC West, and I don't think I believe in them. Guess what the Giants are to win the uh the conference? I'm not gonna make you guess. They're 30 to one. So like Vegas doesn't believe uh, in they them. They don't believe in them. Yeah, they're they don't six, believe in and them. And they're six and two. Brian Dable's looking pretty good. But at the end of the yeah. day, I said this myself. They could go sixteen and one, and I would never believe in in, in Brian Dable. Or I, I've never believed in, excuse me, Daniel Jones and, and, and what they have. I this mean, is what and they got to this like um uh, later, of course, in the Jacob show. And I just want everybody to know we don't have anything against Jacob. Like I've I go on their shows all the time. We've had John McMullen on here. Like I like Jacob and I like what they do. I think Dan Cilio is a goof, but whatever. Um but like to for Seth Joyner to bring up the defensive pass rush when AJ Brown had a game like he had, um, <laughs> just shows to me like you know the wrong priority. You know, AJ Brown Pagan has more receiving yards and more touchdowns than all of the Titans receivers combined. Yeah, um, he is off to the best start since TO was here. I mean, you could make a valid argument that the start that he's thanks for pulling that up. Yeah, so he, so here's your your let me just finish the thought real quick. You can make an argument that he's off to a better start as an Eagle than TO was. Yeah. 
for real. So Robert Woods, who the Titans got coming off an ACL, traded a sixth rounder for him. He's got 256 yards and a touchdown. He's their leading receiver. Then their next two leading receivers are running backs, Dontrell Hilliard and Derrick Henry. Then you got, you know, two big piece Nick guys. Westbrook Kenny, I've never heard of in my life. Yeah, he played. He was there last year. He had an okay season last year. But then they got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He was like their first round draft pick, like yeah. their big body guy who they think is going to replace A.J. Brown at some point. He's got 10 receptions for – 129 yards and then he got austin hooper 116 i mean you know that that's malpractice for for that reason <laughs> to, to not figure out a way to extend aj brown because I mean, he it's not like he had question marks with the titans last year and the year before too he's damn good from last year i mean so howie roseman pulling off like the, the heist of the century there and then your wide receiver too is the heisman winner i mean yeah you can't say enough about about aj brown and just the stuff that he's been doing for this team this year they haven't and we had like an argument about this because um uh, you know, some people who will not be mentioned always want to bring up Carson Wentz shit. But I mentioned like Wentz um, in the takeaway story that I did the other day. And I noted that they hadn't had a receiver like A.J. Brown since, you know, in like the back end of the Carson Wentz era. What I mean by that is they, they didn't have like a big possession re- receiver. You know, Carson had some targets. He had Zach Ertz. You know, he had some other dudes, right, who were, who were OK. But not since Alshon, like prime Alshon, did you have a guy who's going to like go up and attack a ball, I'll go up and high point a ball, I'll go up and grab a ball. I mean, how many times did Jalen Hurts throw into double coverage the other day for A.J. Brown? Like, yeah. at least three or four times. Twice on two touchdowns. Twice on two touchdowns. <laughs> and Yeah, at least two more times, I think, that I saw because he just trusts him, man. I mean, like, do you think Jalen Hurts would have thrown into double coverage because he trusted Jalen Rager to, to go up and get it, you know? That's what Definitely I, not that Giants game. And I can't, I can't state that more, man, because it's like you just have a trust in – your receiver to go up and get that you're going to make you're going to try passes that you just didn't try last year jalen hurts maybe he's had this in him the entire time we just never knew because he didn't trust any of these guys that he was throwing to and to throw it's also funny shoulder bombs you know it's also funny because it's like you know it, it's it's such a stupid comment but it's like you forget you know how how you know much good players like make for for a good team in a way like yeah. when's the when's the last time we had a we had an aj brown type wide receiver probably to yeah, like you're saying yeah. like even Alshon was good. Don't get me wrong, but that was like a, a burst. That was like one one good year, maybe a year and a half, and it was kind of like he just fell off. Yeah. Um, By the way, I just wanted to mention this. I forgot to mention this. Tra- Traylon Burks had like a uh, f f p e r f per f per twelve. Yeah, Burks has only played like two games. I think he had like a toe injury or something. But, he's uh, been four games. Yeah, but point point being, like he was like he was supposed to be the replacement for for AJ Brown. You know, so. I mean, regardless on the field or not, it's just they, they're not getting they haven't really replaced his production. You know what I mean? How do you feel that AJ Brown plays with more money than some kids have in their uh <laughs> some kids have in their bank account? So Brown yeah. recently revealed that after every hundred yard mark is from Josh Tolentino at the Inky. Yeah. He exceeds throughout the season the twenty five year old wideout withdraws exactly a hundred dollars and he attaches each Benjamin Franklin to the back of his shoulder pads with scotch tape. I did figure I did uh, I have an inside source at the Eagles. Yeah, it's not like your Scotch magic tape that you might find in your drunk drawer. It's um like packaging tape. So it's some heavy duty fucking tape. Because I was like, how the hell is he running around sweating? How the hell is he running around like uh, being tackled by other huge linebackers? And there's just not hundred dollar bills just being sprinkled throughout the field. <laughs> um, yeah, you see the ref like walk over and yeah. like pick it up, pick it up and hand it to him or something. Yeah, there's you just see a bill come flying off after a hard tackle. Yeah, so he That's now funny. has. I think you, I think you said it in the story yesterday, man. I mean, whatever, uh, whatever motivates you, you know. That is funny. What motivates players? 
Like yeah. he, he deleted social media because people were telling him he was too good. Some guys listen to music. Some guys get slapped in the face like John Henderson. Yeah. But it's like it's, it's really funny how like athletes are so weird what they're motivated by. Yeah. What yeah. what they'll what they'll use as like bulletin board material. Like the one thing like we were talking about with Kyle Tucker before the uh before the Astros Philly series. Like, yeah, he said he wanted to be he wanted the game to be over in four. He wanted the series to be over in four. Of course he wants the series to be over in four. He wants to win the World Series. Yeah. He wants to get his all season started. He wants to do the parade. Like, yeah, you don't think Bryce Harper or Reese Hoskins would be like, yeah, I really hope this this series is over in four. I would love yeah. four games. Yeah, yeah. And you people just jump down his and- fucking throat. Yeah, we wanted it to be six, right? Yeah, that that goes hand in hand with the like, you know, because people make fun of the. Uh, there's like a subsect of people who make fun of the "no one likes us, we don't care" mentality because you know people get slighted by like the things that probably aren't that big of a deal, you know. Um, of course, you want to win it in four. I mean, what the fuck else do you, do you expect them to say? You know, I mean, but people are. I don't know. It's funny, man, because I think if you, I think like the consensus is like if you need bulletin board material to get like motivated to play in the World Series, then uh, you know. Maybe that's probably another issue entirely. You know what I mean? You shouldn't, you shouldn't if you can't get pumped up for that, then then uh, and you need you need something like artificial like that. Then that probably says more about you than than Kyle Tucker. You know? Yeah. Do you think uh, you think the birds make a move before the uh, deadline? Naheem Heat. Naheem. Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines. Okay. Uh, he would be really Hunt. good. He would be a former really good Sirianni guy. Former yeah. Sirianni guy can return kicks. Uh, can yeah. catch out of the backfield. Yeah. They said it's. Uh, I know there was a lot of coach reporters saying it's not if it's when he'll be traded. So he is on the trading block. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Howie kind of like a nice little like JJ getting the guy, getting a running back at the deadline and going to the uh, going to the Super Bowl because I know they were trying to use. I remember when Kenny Gainwell was drafted, they were like, we're going to use him in like a kind of Naheem Hines role and. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the biggest game well guy. I don't think it's really worked out here yet. So if we can get the real Naheem Hines in place of the guy who was supposed to be Naheem Hines, I think mm-hmm. it'll work out for the Eagles. Hot take. That's a good. Uh, that's a good thought. I, I I think Hines is a is a really good third down back. You know, he was always like a go to fantasy player for me because I knew he would catch a bunch of bullshit third down balls. If you're playing like half half point PPR or something like that, you knew that even if he didn't have a big game, he was going to get you something. You know, but I I think and maybe the listeners know better than I do, but I think he's pretty good in path protection too it's like the one thing that they haven't been it's one like minor thing i don't think the eagles running backs have been really good at picking up uh blitzers this year i mean if you can go miles sanders on first and second down and then have naheem hines be your your third down guy then i think that's a really really you know strong strong case to be made you know what i think is an underrated storyline pagan is like um because there's so many shitty teams in the nfl this year the trade the mid-season trade market is bigger uh more more robust uh, mm-hmm. than it normally is because i mean there's more teams that are just looking to shed dudes you know right i mean in a normal year like you go out and get like a robert quinn and a naheem hines in the in the off season everybody would think that would be great you know let alone like teams looking to jettison those guys in the middle of the season so i think yeah, roquan swift moved yesterday like hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, a exactly. Chase Claypool potentially moving. Like, these are some big name like dudes that are going to be like potentially moving. Or more rumors than I feel like ever. But I feel like that's picked up a lot um, uh, lately over the last couple of years. I feel like the NFL we used to never get trades, and now you know we've gotten some more. Um, Justin here said the he's making a lot of money for a third down back. I'm looking at the contract mm-hmm. right now. He's got six. He's on the books for six point two next year, and mm-hmm. then six point nine in 2024. So yeah, that's a it's a good chunk of change and everything. But dude. Howie Roseman, Capture Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and you've got Miles Sanders out of a contract too. So I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how people. When we do their stories, uh, 
you know, anything like mentioned to Miles Sanders, like a lot of people in the comments section say like, ah, eh, whatever he's, he's, you know, he's good, but he can be replaced by another draft pick. You know what I mean? And running backs just don't get paid, you know? So if you really like Naheem Hines, you can either try to do a Robert Quinn thing with him and try to, you know, rejigger his contract or something like that, or, uh, you know, let Miles Sanders walk and try to replace him with either Gainwell or, a, or another draft pick. So of course they've got flex. I think the big, obviously the big thing is hurts, you know, I mean, cause they're, they're able to do what they're doing with the cap right now. Yeah. Jalen's still on his rookie deal, you know? So well, you think 40, 45 mil, 50 mil. <sighs> It changes everything, though, man. You know, know, it's it's like yeah, it's like when Carson got got paid. You know, I mean, you know, you just you just limit your flexibility. But I mean, it's it's not like it's gonna slip up on them. Yeah, you know? if they can get out of the Carson Wentz contract, no contract is untradeable in my mind. So Dave uh, says there's a trade. Did this just happen? Detroit is dealing T.J. Hawkinson to the Vikings. Wow. Oh yeah! All right. Yeah, Detroit, Break, breaking news for all the uh, Minnesota Vikings fans that listen to Crossing Broadcast. Yeah. T.J. Hawkinson has been traded in Big division. News. Yes, big news. Um, well, that's good because I mean, what has Minnesota? Who's the best Minnesota tight end of the last? Uh, Kyle Rudolph, ten years. Yeah, Vasante Shanko. Yeah, that's a that is a good pool by you, man. You must have had him on uh, a fantasy team back in the day or something, right? Might have been a waiver wire pickup. <laughs> waiver. Russ's fan- breaking news: Russ's fantasy football team is thrilled. Breaking yeah. news: No one gives a shit about Russ's fantasy football team. Oh, um, can we talk about Brandon Graham for a second? This is a dumb rule, Kevin, and yeah. I don't know if you were angry at me for tweeting about it or you were not angry at me for tweeting about it. But for Brandon Graham delay of game, it's a dumb rule. The one where he like flinched a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did no, you I was it? just saying. I think I was saying that because it's like uh, the the difference between thinking it's a dumb rule and knowing like that it is a rule. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't want people to think that we were like ignorant of the like the defensive delay of game uh, laws or whatever. I mean, it never happened. I mean, first of all, how many times do you ever see this called anyway? Dave, you know, you know what I'm saying? But can we get volume on that? If you if you if you share it, go to the Chrome tab, because I want to I want to show people how they described this because they did a terrible job of describing it on TV um, because they said suppose it was a delay of game for not making a, a football play. Or something like that, or, or doing something that was not into a football like play. Try this, Dave. No, we, got no, we got no volume. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Making a move that is not necessarily like football thanks it thanks, reminds Cleet. me of um <clears throat> miss teen south carolina when she was asked <laughs> holy shit you know, what a pull yeah she said um you know not everybody has maps and uh you know i would do more to make sure that people knew you know about the iraq and uh afghanistan what the hell did she say <laughs> Spot the lie, you know. I mean, spot, not everyone has maps. I, not everybody you knows. You see a where, map in this room? I don't I have know. a map. Not everybody knows where Iraq is on the map. I mean, that's a good. That is a fair point by her. That's old school. That was like 2007 or something. That's like that was you know, Internet 1.0, man. Yeah, we we're still on AOL, maybe back then. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it's still well. It, here's the thing, man. See, the ref didn't do a good job. The ref did a shitty job of like explaining that because a lot of people are asking what the rule was i i saw the writers who were sitting in the press box kept asking everybody on twitter like what was the call what did they say on tv you know and nobody could really corroborate it to them 
based on what the ref said, they had to go by what Tony Romo was explaining, you know? So like, I get it, man. It's, it's not, it's not even that he flinched and you couldn't even hear the audio. Like, I, I don't know. I can't tell you if Brandon Graham said something or not. Cause I have, I, you didn't hear that audio on the broadcast, but the, like the rule is that you can't simulate the, the cadence of a snap. So you can't sit there and go, you know, Omaha, Omaha or whatever, you know? Listen, I don't think defensive linemen should be calling hike and shit. But like yeah. you said, we didn't have the audio, and it just looked like he flinched. It didn't look like it looks like a very subjective rule because what is yeah. the difference? What is the difference between uh, a team showing blitz and faking blitz and and getting a and getting an an, uh, an offensive lineman to jump off sides? Like, here's how you fix the rule: keep the rule, but Brandon Graham gets to punch that guy twice for flinching. Well, and that's what we. I would love you know for somebody to you know triple down and say, hey, did the ref see the flinch or did he hear? Brandon Graham say something. I think that's what it was. Yeah, because I mean that would really help, you know, articulate how, it. A man, little how could you hear that? I feel like the I feel like that the Eagles crowd and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that guy had to be right on uh, on Brandon yeah. Graham. That, that play by uh, the Steelers after that was beautiful. I thought I thought they had Chase Claypool caught uh, yeah. in the back, yeah, and uh, and he yeah. chucked it to the uh, tight end and they scored. That was a really beautiful play. I was like, this, there was this, another. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, no, you're I, good. I got to do a better job of that. You know, um, <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll do no, some it's rest. Extreme yard show. Show. It's not like I'm sitting right next to you or anything, but uh, this was a good one too. So yeah, the refs pulling out the deep cuts with the defensive delay of game and then the weird punt downing things. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't even know if people like, cause everybody thought that uh, when they punted and tried to down it on the one that it should have been a safety. Cause the Steelers guy, Olszewski, Mm. came in and grabbed it and tried to advance it and then ended up getting tackled in the end zone. But it's like an ultra rare thing where like if the, if the coverage team touches the ball first, that's like the, the, the ref um, doesn't take off his hat, but they kind of like leave a, they, they throw make, the baggy. Like they throw yeah, the baggy, an indication yeah. of a marker, right? Cause that was the first touch. But after the first touch, you, yeah, you are allowed to pick it up and try to advance it. And if you don't advance it uh, any further than that, it just comes back to where the original, um, first touch was you know I, you but you like you never see that i mean in this game actually you had two calls that you never see you never see defensive delay a game and you never see uh that first touch rule actually you know what when you see defensive delay of game more than anything it's like uh guys fucking with the ball or or something like that you know or like a lineman comes up and touches the <laughs> the ball or somebody tries to buy them sell some time or like you fake an injury or something like that but yeah i mean it was it was strange you know you got anything else before we bring on our our guest, our first guest? No, not on the Eagles, man. I mean, got to blitz more. Got to get to the quarterback. Listen, 49ers versus Eagles. I called that in the NFC Championship game. I am sitting pretty. Also called 9-1 to one start. That was a stupid prediction because it's going to be 10-0. I called that with our boy right here, yeah. Bob Wankel. Bob, thanks for coming on. First question, what do you think about the allegations of uh, Kyrie Irving being anti-Semitic? Oh, God. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll see you later, Bob. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> oh man, I'm so happy you came on. Aren't you happy whenever you come on here? I always enjoy coming on. I think did, uh, the, did the palms just get sweaty for 20 minutes? Oh, I mean, listen, I, I think uh, Kyrie probably probably should be. Uh, I think the Nets probably should part ways with Kyrie. I, I would I would say that's just my opinion. I think I can. I'm all right giving you that one. Look, yeah, Bob, if you don't want to career. talk about Kyrie, then we can talk about Deshaun and Farrakhan. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> Let's get it back to the Phillies. <laughs> um, why should every team have a retractable roof that they when they build a stadium now? I saw Marcus Hayes. Uh, 
Uh, I'm on the same same side as Marcus Hayes, too. You are. So I saw Marcus kind of uh, go that way with it. I am not a supporter of the retractable roof. Uh, I'm just, you know, let, let the game be ballparks look. Yeah, it's great. I don't know. I just think it's a situation where, you know, people got inconvenienced for one night and then they, they want to reinvent the wheel. Like, I mean, how many times a year is this really a big problem? Like, not that but, big of a deal. But, Kyle, but, you were like the only person in Philadelphia last night that cared that that game got rained out. <laughs> no, there was a lot. You're not a man of the people. I'm down there at, in the parking lot. You're sitting in your your ivory tower yeah. of journalism <laughs> up above the home home, and you're tw- and your I text you and I go, is there is there any chance there's a game? And of course, Bob just comes back, no shot. Not even like feeding me a little thing about, hey man, you know, if you really think really hard, maybe do a couple rain dances out there. I gotta keep it real. I gotta keep it real. No, I mean, one thing I will say, I know people uh, went into the stadium. I know the complaint. Like, well, yeah, that was weird. They opened up the stadium. Nineteen thousand people went in. They they bought beer and uh, you know they they bought concessions and souvenirs. Okay, like nobody forced that Bud Light down your throat once you got into the stadium. Anybody with half a brain that drew over there last night had to know there was a pretty good possibility. The game was going to get canned. Now, Major League Baseball deserves some criticism waiting until 645 to call the game because it puts fans in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. They go down there and they're like, well, I don't want to take the, the chance of them actually playing. Now I'm late to a game that I paid hundreds of dollars for. So I get why people were in a weird spot. I think the right play was probably driving in. And if you didn't want to commit to the, the plus, plus, plus once you got in the stadium, you probably shouldn't have. But one thing that is nice, though, and apparently I think it was Alex Coffey that reported this, talked to the Phillies last night. It looks like parking will be mm-hmm. taken care of for people that have the, uh, the tickets going back in tonight. So that's nice. Yeah, I mean, but like half the people that like probably like whenever I park and I pay with card, I don't keep my receipt. My receipt would probably be like thrown out or whatever. So if you have parking passes, if you have receipts, good on you. That wouldn't be me. How about my $30 Uber that I took down to get there? Do I get reimbursed for that? John Melton? No, you don't. All right, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll put that there. back on that one. I'll, uh, I'll expense that to Crossing Broad. Um, I was planning on making content. But anyway, go back to your uh, retractable roof thing. Yes, there should be a retractable roof on every single stadium because you don't have to use the retractable roof. It, those, I just showed you four different examples of beautiful stadiums with retractable roofs. Now, Safeco Field, they only use it 13 times. Minute Maid Park, they use it like 79 times. The place down at, uh, what is it, Lone Depot down in Miami, they use it 81 times a year. You don't have to use the retractable roof, but their game three of every World Series the Phillies have played in, shout out Mount Gelb, since 1993 has either been delayed or postponed. There shouldn't be postponements in the World Series. There shouldn't be postponements with with rain or anything because we have the technology to build these things. I'm not saying you have to put, you have to play in a damn roof, like, but like, you know, if you, if you use it, you, you it's like a break. It's a break in case of emergency glass. You have this beautiful roof that you can just put over the stadium. And everyone's happy. People don't have to take six-hour bus rides to get here. People don't have to fly in fear. Shout out to that guy in Nashville who said he'd lose his job, his wife, his money, his kids. That's that's a true Philly fan right there. I love that guy. But there shouldn't have to be a reason to do that. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. But you know what the response is going to be? Hey, listen, baseball has a different look and a different feel. And the old-timey retro vibe of the ballpark, when you have this monstrosity, this this open air retractable roof. It takes away from some of the mystique. Hey, Wrigley field in Chicago in October with the retractable roof looming over the distance. Like, Oh, I mean, I'm just telling you, that's what the response is going. That's a stupid response. It's a stupid response. 
Can I segue into something here since it's kind of in the vein of complaining? I actually like Pagan's Take. I think Pagan's Take is a good one. It's like if you have the tools, then use them, right? So that's that in a in a nutshell, that's what he's saying. So I'm gonna take uh I want everybody to know that I'm gonna take Pagan's side of the argument. Um that being said, Bob, what did you think of the first uh the Maldonado bat thing? Um and then the Valdez uh allegations of cheating. Yeah, okay. So the Maldonado thing is um Kind of a weird look. I mean, the whole thing is that Albert Pujols had his back grandfathered in, and then he gives it to Maldonado, and then so is there a competitive advantage or not? You talk to a lot of people, and they tell you that really it was more of a safety thing than a competitive advantage thing, that there really is no competitive advantage with the bat. But the the thing that I kind of come back to, though, with both the bat story and then Framber Valdez on Saturday night is that whether or not Framber Valdez was a part of the 2017 team, which he was not, and whether, you know, whether or not that bat – gave the Astros a competitive advantage, which it, it didn't. Anytime that you have these types of stories flying around the Astros, there's going to be criticism. I mean, they're the one team that you can't link these types of stories with and expect everyone that's a casual fan to just say, hey, no big deal. I watched the game on Saturday night, and he's very quirky. There's a lot of touching. I saw all the videos, the, the, the zoomed in, the, the glove, the wrist, the belt change, the feet. I'm sorry, the shoes. Yeah, the whole deal. I don't think that Framber Valdez was cheating on Saturday night. That said, it looks suspicious as hell. And I think that all of the talk and everyone making it a big storyline is totally justified. Like, you've just got to know on that stage with that amount of attention, when you're that team, you know that that talk is going to come. And like, sorry, Astros fans that you don't want it to be brought up and sorry, Astros that you don't want to be offended or that you, you know, you're offended by the idea. And John Heyman, give me a fucking break with that crap. You know, the, the idea that like, Oh, you know, we should forgive the Astros. It was one of the most ridiculous cheating scandals that led directly to a championship. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like you can't forget that. Didn't the they win MVP too? Yeah. And listen, and- the whole idea the whole idea that that the Phillies fans are going to come out to Citizens Bank Park tonight to boo the Astros because they cheated in 2017, that's nonsense. Phillies fans are going to come to Citizens Bank Park tonight because the Houston Astros stand in the way of this team winning one of the most improbable World Series in the history of baseball. And that's why fans are going to boo the shit out of this team. I love you, a fired up Bob. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the Pat McAfee when McAfee had Sirianni on that one time. Like, <laughs> <"Hey, go> on. <laughs> um, but I would just say real quick, uh, what Bob is essentially saying is, uh, you lose the benefit of the doubt. You do when you've had shit that's happened before. So what do you want people to say? Oh, it, whatever, it's a one-off or whatever. Well, we don't know if it's a one-off because the whole organization just had this big thing five years ago, which is not a long time. You know, so you you don't you don't get, you know, the uh, the the benefit of any of that when you have had a the, these infractions happen recently. I tweeted about this and I said, you know, I don't think he's cheating, but this idea that that you know Houston they they don't have the right like you don't have the right to question our, yeah, our morality. Yeah. Like, give me a break. And yeah, yeah, you know, 
Someone pointed out, well, you know, he had 20 plus consecutive uh, quality starts this regular season. So it's kind of interesting that people are surprised that he pitched well. I'm like, no, I'm not surprised that he pitched well at all. I, he, they were a minus 140 favorite with one of the best pitchers in the postseason on the other side for the Phillies on Saturday night. Yeah. I thought Framber Valdez was a massive matchup problem for the Phillies in game two. Not surprised at all with this final pitching line. I am surprised, though, with the touching, all the fidgeting taking off your belt, your sneakers, changing your, or your, your cleats, changing your glove. I mean, come on. Like, there's no way that, that people at this level, at this stage of the game, aren't going to go, this looks pretty suspect. Can I just, like, wrap that up with one thing real quick? <clears throat> so I wrote this column the other night. So when they came out and they did the, the – first of all, the funny thing about the Maldonado bat thing was that they just casually announced it on the broadcast. Like, it was just a throwaway <laughs> topic. <laughs> Let's go down to Joe Schmo on the sidelines for a report. Well, MLB discovered that Martin Maldonado was using an illegal bat the other night. It was grandfathered in, and now he's not using it anymore. We'll send it back to you. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I listening to here? So whatever. We've already litigated that, and it's whatever. Ironically, too, he's like one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball, too. But he did have an RBI that night, whatever. The Phillies won the game. But then an MLB spokesperson goes out to all the blue checkmark reporters and says, it's not a competitive advantage. It's a player safety thing, which then, you know, is bullshit in that regard, because what you're saying is that player safety doesn't matter when Albert Pujols uses the bat, but when Maldonado uses the bat, you know, he can't, he can't. Right. So because the issue we're willing to take, we're willing to take the risk that a bat slices in <laughs> half and, and cuts the throat off of the opposing pitcher. When yeah. Albert's up, he's chasing history. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we don't give a shit if this bat splinters into a thousand people yeah. and we impale Zach yeah. Wheeler on the mound because Pujols is grandfathered in. However, Maldonado. It was a series. I mean, come on. It was his, but, his last drop. It, hey, it's the same as chewing tobacco. Everybody back in the day whose grandfather is allowed to chew some tobacco. But you know what, Bryson Stott? Don't you dare. Don't, don't you dare. dare. But you know, it's, you know what's um, the, the funniest thing about all that? It's like if you it, – it sounds absurd when you like apply it to something else, you know. But I'll give you like the reverse example first. So like, you know, we, hockey helmets were the same things, right? So you had the Flyers. You had Craig McTavish skating around with no helmet for the longest time, right? But he wasn't endangering anybody else. He was only endangering himself. Like his decision not to wear a helmet didn't affect Mario Lemieux. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, if you have, this wasn't the greatest example because I don't know much about automotive history, but I used it in the column anyway and people were ripping me. But if you had like, you know, anti-lock brakes or some shit, right? And they became mandatory in all cars at a certain whatever amount of time. Just roll with the metaphor here, right? Gotcha. Imagine saying that like, oh, well, you've been, you know, driving cars since the 60s. You don't have to use this shit, but everybody else does. It's not, it's not about that. It's about what's safe. It's about safety. It's about pr- making sure that everybody's okay. You know, so that's why MLB's thing was bullshit with that because you're s- sending this terrible message. It's like, well, Albert Pujols can kill somebody with a bat shard, but Martin Maldonado can't. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's kind of like why Houston has a retractable roof and why the Citizens Bank Park doesn't have a retractable roof, if you ask me. Really. Are you going tonight? I am going tonight, Bob. You know what? I had my meatballs ready. I was doing some chore bombs. Uh, I, do you know what a chore bomb is? A shot yeah, of tequila, yeah, a beer, a meatball and, and, and some beer. meatballs. Yeah, I was. I had twelve or I had eight shore bombs ready for the for the tailgate. We were the the shitty thing about it was when when Nightingale's was it Nightingale was yeah it was Nightingale when his tweet came through it wasn't even raining, right? And I monitored the rain last night, looking out my window. They could have got that game in. Yeah, I I mean, I guess, but I, hey, I, 
It helps. The I Phils. think you would have felt a lot, a lot differently if the Phillies didn't come back and win Game Five of the the NLCS and didn't clinch on their home field. I mean, they they almost lost a National League Championship Series game because they played through crappy weather. Like that almost happened. I know. I so know. let me yeah. let me ask. Um, uh, with the delay, so now the Phillies are going Ranger Suarez, mm-hmm. Nola. Back to Wheeler? Syndergaard. Oh, Syndergaard. Okay, so... Uh, is Wheeler then, cooked, is what you're asking. Well, here's the, well, the question really is, like, who it, who gains the advantage the most from the delay? Well, the Phillies really could have gained a significant advantage. I think that they still ultimately benefit more than Houston does in this scenario. But you had the opportunity, if you wanted to push Wheeler on normal rest, to throw Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler four times in the first five games of the series. And in theory, you could take a pretty commanding lead at that point. Um, They are not doing that, at least as of right now. The reason being, you know, as Rob Thompson said, after the postponement last night, that Zach Wheeler is experiencing fatigue. Okay. If you take that at face value, say, all right, he's a guy that missed some time in September, missed some time down the stretch, hasn't really thrown more than, I think, like 85 pitches in any start since he's returned. He's logged some innings here this postseason now. You know, the extra day might do him well. I don't expect to see Zach Wheeler come back and throw 98 miles an hour at any point, you know, the remainder of this series. I, I don't think that you have to worry about him being cooked necessarily. Like, he was not sharp on Saturday night, but – I mean, he was still averaging about 95 miles an hour, the sinker and his fastball. It's not like he's throwing 91. Like, you can compete and win if you're Zach Wheeler with a diminished velocity of two miles an hour. Now, does it make it a little bit harder? Yeah, because when you get fat in the middle of the plate like he did early on on Saturday night, no, you're going to get dinged a little bit. But he can still be effective here for the Phillies. I don't think that it's like a, here comes Zach Wheeler, hold your breath, he's going to be a disaster. I mean, at that velocity, he should still be able to compete. You think if so Houston goes, I'm sorry. Let me just think this through in my head. So Houston's got McCullers going. And then with the extra day, I don't know if they said anything or not yet, but do they go back to Verlander then right away? Or do they go? It looks like it's going to be Verlander in game five and Christian Javier, who you could make the argument has been yeah. as good as anybody else yeah. in their rotation yeah. um, is, is going to get game four. So I think they'll still continue to go with the, the four man front there. Um He's been, I mean, he's been really tough. And and that's, that's the one thing I will say now getting the getting, and this is why I still think it's an advantage for the Phillies. I think Ranger Suarez certainly gives you a better chance in game three. And I think Aaron Nola up against Javier in game four gives you a better chance. So what happens after that? I, I don't know, but you better, I mean, you better find a way to win at least one of these next two games and really, I mean, if we're being honest, like I would not count this team out under any scenario. I think that they've proven that they've, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. But I, I just do not believe that you can go back to Houston down 3-2. I just don't see them. I do not see them going down to Houston down 3-2 and winning the final two games of the series with, at that point, Aaron Nola also cleared out of the way. So – You've got to find a way to win these next, you know, two of these next three. I know there's a lot of people that are like, let's wrap it up Thursday night. I think that's wishful thinking. This is this Astros team is good, man. They are a good team. You worried about Altuve? He looked pretty hot on uh, game two. <laughs> he started hitting the ball. Yeah, he woke up. I think he he equaled his output for the entire postseason on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, all of these guys are you know elite caliber players. I mean, Jose Altuve's a, a great player. Um, 
I think you have to be a little bit concerned. Yeah, it looked like he woke up. Maybe the two days off will actually cool him back down a little bit. But I don't think that either of these teams come into this into this game tonight with a momentum advantage. Like, I don't think the Phillies lost momentum in game two. I think that we know that that's a crock of shit after what we saw in, in the NLCS. So, like, that analysis, let's put that off to the side. Um, I just think it's a matter of who executes and who, who plays better. And I, to be perfectly blunt – I don't really know how much the crowd's going to play an impact tonight. Like, I don't think that the Houston Astros are going to say like, Ooh, 46,000. Like, I just think the Phillies have to play baseball. Like if the Phillies do what they're supposed to do, they can win the game. I disagree hundred percent. I know they went in New York. I know you do because you're a fan of the people. It's all, it's all about the crowd. The the Phillies aren't here right now without the crowd. Pagan represents, Pagan speaks for the, speaks for the mongrels, you know, like. I I can maybe go. I could maybe go for that. I don't. I think that the the crowd played more of a role in the Atlanta series than it Game did. Three Atlanta. Yeah, we broke Strider. I I, I, I told I, you I, on Game Three, the crowd stunk too corporate-y. Game Four Saturday, you said was very good against the Padres. Yeah, and then Sunday was Sunday because everyone was getting rained on, but they came to life. So right? I think like I guess like I should amend what I said there. I, I think you. like it's a combination of things, but the Phillies won Game Four not because of the electric crowd, but because Mike Clevenger stinks and like let him back into the game. And then the crowd was able to, you know, I think give them some confidence. Like there's no doubt. Like you saw the shirts yesterday, 46,026. Like there, I think that they really do feel like, yo, we play better here. We, this energy is going to help us. And even if it does or doesn't, if you start talking yourself into that, then that's all that really matters. So I guess like to an extent, I don't know that the Phillies aren't in the world series without like a raucous crowd, but Maybe like I, I do agree that it probably swung the Atlanta series a little bit. Thank you. What if you had uh, you're not going to have 45,000 mongrels there, right? You know, because they've been priced out. I know. By the way, we say mongrel is a term of endearment. I don't want anybody to think that that's so, like derogatory. Kev, I do want to call back on that mongrel take because I do think there will be some mongrels because there was 20,000 World Series uh, tickets that did go out that people won through a lottery. And if yeah. you were also a season ticket holder, technically I was for a Sunday plan. Yeah, I would consider myself a little bit of a mongrel, so I so hope there's more the, mongrels. What's the what's the breakdown going to be of mongrels, uh, Botox wives, and Emily's from Doylestown? I, I saw think- a lot. Of, it was early last night, but I saw a lot of kids in that stadium last night. Uh, like chi- like children, you mean? Yeah, that's yeah. the last thing we need. Yeah. That's well, the last thing yeah. we need. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. I mean, that was a whole. I do not. Thing. You can't have that eight-year-old getting his first World Series. There's no fun. This is the World Series. Get a babysitter. Minimum. If you can't drink, you can't come. Right. I 100 percent agree, dude. Make this like 2008 again. I told you this. This cookie cutter Mickey Mouse freaking stadium has gotten way too family friendly. We need 2007, 2008, 2009 to 11 again, where it was just college night and people were getting fights in the stadiums. People were throwing up on the kids back in the day. Now the kids throw up on us. Uh, Pukemon. Let's win it for Pukemon. Yeah. You know. <laughs> rest in peace by the way Pukemon's yeah. dead um bob i wanted to ask bad. you before we before we let you go i don't know if kevin has anything else um maybe i don't have have the have my finger on on the pulse of the the baseball media and everything but this this ver verlander video really cool like him giving the birds back to the phillies fans the phillies fans giving the birds back to him like that was cool like that was an awesome video it was I so love- funny and he's yeah. smiling there there is this guy on Twitter named Dan Clark Sports, and then I John, stopped. 
And, and then John Heyman said something today on, on Cataldi. But Dave, pull up the Dan Clark tweets. Uh, Dan Clark first tweets at 413, I want to say, and his context. Verlander could have been seriously injured or killed had the projectile thrown at the team bus. So if anyone saw the video, the first layer of glass in the academy bus was completely shattered. Uh and then he doubles down and two hours later, deleted the tweet. Some Philadelphia sports fans really are next level bad. The clown who threw a projectile at the Astros bus smashed the window, needs to be identified and charged. Verlander came out even before, like, I think, I think once the game was canceled, Verlander came out, quote tweeted the original video and was like, show some context, blah, blah, blah. We're all joking around. By the way, nobody threw anything at the bus. I can't believe everyone can look at this like funny video that people like Phillies fans and Verlander are having back and forth and being like, who, who broke the window? Had to be a crazy Philly fan. And then John Heyman goes on Cataldi today and goes, well, I won't reference um, Philly's fan or Philly fans throwing snowballs at uh, Santa anymore. But there was a recent incident, a recent incident about the bus yesterday. It's fake news, man. They're making this all look bad. You know? I mean, first of all, Dan Clark is a guy that has he's following 31,000 people on Twitter. Uh, t- he's like a follow you, follow me back. Mm-hmm. So then that way it looks like I have like some followers and that I matter. Mm-hmm. This is kind of his deal. Like for years, like he, he goes out and like, you know, writes these troll job stories to get clicks and responses and engagement. And we're talking about it. So good for him, I guess. But, uh, you expect a little bit more out of Hammond, to be honest with you. But <laughs> yeah. The thing is like already been debunked. And then he goes on one of the most popular morning shows in the country and, and then brings it back up today. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I got to well, tell you, not, and, and let's not, not, the Verlander say, thing was awesome, by the way, like it was awesome. awesome. I, and, and anybody who, anybody who rides an Academy bus, who's had a field trip before, maybe up to New York, like in eighth grade knows that Academy buses are pieces of shit buses. Sorry if anyone works for Academy, that's, uh, that's, uh, more pop. Fuck. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you Perfect. Thank Dave, you. Dave just pulled up a tweet from the Dan yes. Clark loser last night saying more. Kevin, you're on my fucking side. More oh, ball sorry. Parks, I mean, more ballparks need roofs. Let me get back to my point. The Academy buses absolutely suck. The, the there's never any any running water in the bathrooms. The bathrooms don't work at the time. The air conditioning doesn't work at the time. The TVs are from like 1982. They still only play like VHSs. Academy buses absolutely suck. It doesn't matter if you're fucking Mrs. Williams, sixth grade class, or you're the billionaire Houston Astros. You're getting a shitty Academy bus. That's my favorite part of this, that the bus that they got for the World Series just happened to have a busted window already. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are we doing? Hey, send him the best. Send him the Verlander best just casually says, oh, the bus came like this, or it looked like this. <laughs> By the way, just throwing this out there about Justin Verlander, $25 million player option next season. Could maybe want multiple years. Could want to go to a veteran-heavy team that's oh. competing for a championship. Just, just throwing it out there. Last question for you, Bob. Have you watched the Japanese guy who named his dog after Bryce Harper? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know anything about him, and I don't have the capacity for that story because the Phillies are in the World Series right now. Let's actually let's end it with a great take right here. Although I am seeing breaking news. Uh, I got breaking news here from David. Grizz TV in our, our little chat here. Yeah. Russ and Dan Clark. Oh shit! The Nets fired the Nets Steve Nash. Decision wow. was mutual with Nets and Nash per sources. So the Nets fired Steve Nash. So <laughs> I, I wait, Nash fired. Like, wait, fuck it, I'm out. Fired. 
but it was mutual. So yeah. I guess a yeah. resignation. Mutually, you can fire me. That's what he said. I'm not dealing Please, with this thank shit. You. you know what he did? He 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 quit like Scarface and half baked. He went, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. Michael Scott, I don't I you're cool. You don't fire me, I quit. Do you think if you're a basketball guy, like you love basketball, you love coaching basketball, that waking up every morning and coaching that team, do you, I mean, that has to be one of the most miserable existences in, in the sport. Well, I think Ben's out with a knee injury or something too, isn't he? So Kyrie is dealing with uh, the anti-Semitism fallout. Ben Simmons can't shoot and he's injured. And KD has been carrying the nets on his back for... Shout out to the Jews in Indiana last night sitting courtside with the... Uh, the anti anti <laughs> anti Semitism shirts. Yes, yeah, I didn't know there was a lot really of, uh, Shout out yeah. to the Jews. Yeah, yeah. This, is, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, this is pro Jewish. This is a pro Jewish broadcast. They're Kyrie. getting yeah Kyrie. yeah. It, well, that wouldn't be a troll job, right? It would just be a response, like a response, an organized response. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Indiana Pacers. Um, right. Wow. So Steve Nash, luckiest guy. <laughs> lucky, I think the luckiest guy in the NBA right now. Like Damn all that guy I wants to do. Dude, all that guy wants to do is just make TikToks, and I don't blame him. Yeah, the guy loves yeah. making TikToks. Hire Nash to replace Doc to keep the Canadian replacement coach vibes going. <laughs> By the way, can I just make a quick note here? Um, the Sixers getting docked a couple of second-round draft picks is the dumbest shit ever. Because, as you all well know, everybody tampers. Everybody talks to free agents before the period. I mean, the Nuggets signed DeAndre Jordan at, like at 6 p.m. the day of the the you know the free agency period began. Are the Nuggets going to be docked second round draft picks? I mean, the NBA's just got to change the rule already, you know. So yeah, I mean, all these guys talk to each other, they're all friends and everything. So you're 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 sad that the uh, the Sixers won't be able to take some Furkan Aldemirs or some Kyle Quinns or back in the day or like you take a, take a Paul Reed and never play him, you know, a draft I mean, and stash, yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Joe. Joe leading the Thunder Thunder to uh, you know prominent. I don't, know, I don't. Know. Yeah, I mean, you can you can have that sidebar topic about whether that shit matters at all, but it's just so selective. I mean. I mean, don't they? What do they have in the NFL? Like the legal tampering period? Like, wasn't yeah. that the added rule to kind of like prevent, like, I don't know, to kind of circumnavigate this kind of shit? I don't know. It's just it's, everybody tampers. That you could you could find examples for every single team, you know. So, uh, Bob, before you go, do you do you plan on defeating any more sandwiches before game three today? Are you thinking about taking out a Reuben? You think I was great? I uh, bean bean spiller one, I believe, got got into my <laughs> got into my mentions yesterday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bob arguing on Twitter with a bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes. <laughs> hey, you put hey you put them in a locker. All right, I did. You put them and, in the uh, trash. It's like one of those things where uh, I, I think I've actually gained more followers uh, by dunking on a sandwich with eleven <laughs> followers than I have like for any Phillies coverage over the last four years. <laughs> I think I picked up like hundred and forty followers yesterday. So. Yeah. Were you you probably weren't going to respond to the bean spiller until he was just like, <laughs> were you hoping when you said who you had to be hoping that yeah. for the Pete Rose? Yeah. I, uh, I forget who I responded to. Um, somebody said, like, dude, you're arguing with a sandwich. This is on you. And I said, no, I, I knew where we were going. Yeah. Once he uh, once he had said like the, the manager was betting on games. I said, oh, he thinks Pete Rose managed the Phillies. And yeah. I said, so yeah. who? And then he said Pete Rose. And then he used the word there wrong like three different times yeah. in one sentence. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And I just said, oh, thank you. This is beautiful. This so, is like trying to get somebody maybe. on a BOFA. Yeah, let it know that nobody's nobody's safe. Uh, you, if you're Seth Joyner, if you're a BLT sandwich, like you know, if you come at come at Bob or you come at me, but be, you better not miss, you know. Yeah. John Heyman, who actually Bean has to take spill. facts and report Bean those facts. Yeah. Bean spill a one. All right, well, Bob, thank you so much. Yeah, we uh, we have to get to the Kyle, most famous. I hope your, 
I hope you're okay. Are you going to just game three or are you doing I'm just going to game three? I'm just going to game three. Yeah, not all of us can go to game three, four, five, you know, be in the clubhouse and, and, and see the victories and stuff, you know, and then <laughs> and then shit on the common man when they're just they just want to play game three. You know, when they just they put up all this excitement all day and, you know, they have a tough boss. They have a tough work nice, life. It was a nice opportunity to recover. Watch Bengals Browns. That was a great game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not everybody. Not everybody is even on just remember, Bob, not everybody's as privileged as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your privilege is showing, Bob. So I'll be out in the uh, the auxiliary box tonight where All everyone right. goes, why aren't there any fans out there? I'll wave. Oh, they put you in the Bill Giles family place? Uh, it's we're we're packed out there. It's oh. it's it's gonna be a little bit different looking tonight, I believe. You feel slighted? No. No. Just happy the to be there. Lines out, actually, once you get past like the second row in the press box. The auxiliary box has much better sight line. So like that. I'll have a better seat than Bob tonight. Big J Bob. Bob, I'll actually be right, I'll be actually like right diagonally from you. I'm in the 107 right behind the foul pole. That's awesome. And the big thing for you is that you can drink. Yeah. You know? You're in the mongrel section. Like, I, I honestly I I always say that. People are like, wow, you're you're really lucky. And I'm like, yeah, I, don't know. I like you can't drink. It's still work. <laughs> got work. Yeah, yeah it's work. You're go working working media. Yeah. yeah. Type up 2,000 words. All right, bye. I'll talk to you. All right. All right. um, Right now, so this is a first time ever for for Crossing Broadcast. We have a pre-recorded interview uh, with Carson Wallace, the Game 1 fan from from Game 1. What the fuck am I talking about? (laughs) The Phillies fan who went after the Astros, the older Astros fan. So we got him on the broadcast. I just did the interview. Kevin was, was dadding and stuff. Um, so yeah, so if, if Dave, you want to pull that up, it's 10 minutes long. Thanks for everybody. I'll come back in after it's over and, uh, we'll go from there. All right. We are here with the most famous Phillies fan in the Delaware Valley. We've got Carson Wallace, his dad, Rob, and we got his, we got his older brother here too. Don't we? Yeah. Robert as well. Yep. Oh, Robert. Okay, Robert Jr. I like that. How are you guys? How's everything going? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Um, so, you know, people fell in love with you. We were writing about Carson and everything, him versus the uh, the Astros fan. Um, I described him as a kid with Diamond Club money, but 700 level energy. Yeah. Why were you guys kind of out there uh, for the game? So, so... That was funny because I sent that to all my boys. So all, me and all my friends, I grew up in Wissanomi. So my my buddy Charlie Hook is a, a poker player out in Houston. He lives out there now. So he flew me and all my friends out uh, and got us tickets, uh, you know, totally on him and everything. So like I said, it wouldn't have been like possible without him. So I think they I sent your your guys uh, post. I said, I think they got Chow and Wow mixed up. You know, so I, I ain't got the, the Diamond Club money. No, no, no. That's awesome, man. Shout out to uh, to Charlie. Um, so you guys are out there. Obviously, we catch the uh, Carson with the, I don't know, I don't want to call it a confrontation, but a little, you know, Philly, uh, a Philly kiss, really, right? Yeah. What kind yeah, of was the, uh, what was the background behind it? So, so in the beginning of the game, um, you know, they, Carson was messing with them, you know, giving them gestures and it was all fun and games. And, um, you know, the guy, the guy was having fun with them too. <clears throat> and in the previous interviews, it kind of got like misconstrued that I said, he was like maybe being a, a, a prick to yeah. him like a little, you know, uh, but now he, when, when the, when the Astros fan yelled in Carson's face, 
it wasn't to be like a, a, a jerk, you know, it was just like, ah, you know, just fan stuff. So, you know, when Carson got the opportunity to give it back, he, you know, he, he went after him. So it was awesome. Carson, what's it like being famous, man? Good. Yeah. Were you the talk of recess today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how was it? Like, did when you me at recess, but yep. Yeah, were the teachers welcoming you in like a big star? Are you giving out high fives? Did you did you parlay it into any candy today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. So, what are you um? What are you going as for Halloween? A beekeeper. A, a beekeeper. A beekeeper. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I didn't see. I you know what? I had a couple things in my mind that you might have said, but I I didn't see a beekeeper. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, Rob. What are you going as? Oh yeah. Phillies like player, yeah. Phillies player, Bryce Harper, I'm guessing. Uh well, yeah, that? that's his favorite player, but I he's I got a little Oswald, a throwback cream jersey. Oh. That. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So so Carson, um I heard the Astros fan is coming to game four and game five. Have the Phillies reached out to you in any way to maybe, you know, get some tickets, put you right next to the guy so you guys can continue that nice rivalry? No, they didn't. No, they didn't reach out. But the Phillies haven't reached out for tickets. No, haven't reached no. out for tickets yet. Okay, maybe we could, maybe yeah. we could do something. Maybe they'll listen to this interview and they'll be like, "Hey, listen, we got to get maybe. that rivalry still going." Maybe I don't know if you know Mattress Mac. I don't, I'm sure your pops might know Mattress Mac. Yeah. Maybe we get you next to Mattress Mac. If cool. the Astros win, it's he's going to win seventy. In the country. Yeah, he's going to yeah. win seventy-five million dollars. So we need you in his ear hole, just razzing yeah. him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He'll <laughs> he'll be he'll you you'd love to do that, wouldn't you? Yeah, come on, talk. <laughs> yeah, what do you, what do you, uh, you, you nervous? You've been on, you've been on every program under the sun in the last uh, forty-eight hours. Nervous? Ner- not, you look a little nervous. <laughs> talk to him. <laughs> what? You're not nervous? I know I'm not physically in front of you, but you're gonna come after me now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. basement. Basement. I like that. Wrong. I like that. If I'm an Astros fan, you would come after me. I like that. Um, so, so you, you guys obviously get shown on TV and everything. How fast did it like just blow up on your phone? It came up quick. I mean, I'm sitting with my friends. You know, we're kind of like split up. Uh, came within two, three minutes. I mean, yeah, yeah it came really quick. I think I Barstool you- said Sorry. something. Yeah, uh, Barstool said, uh, put the post up or whatever. And then we just started sharing amongst our group chat. And uh, yeah, and then it just took off. My wife seen us and everything like that. Calling texts. I mean, thousands of texts. I mean, it's not, it was nuts. Yeah. What, what's it like as like a, a parent? Like, were there like news vans on your, on your street or something like that? Or did you, has the last 48 hours been nuts? Yeah, it's been wild. It, dude, it's been wild. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it, the whole, the whole process. It's funny. I mean, we're, we're embracing it though. I mean, you know. We're 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 enjoying this Phillies run uh, for sure. Yeah, I hope you guys uh, can parlay it into some tickets too. I think yeah. You so we went. My buddy Charlie Hook he brought us out to the last game of the uh, regular season um, against Houston. We we were out in Houston twice in the last three weeks, you know. So um, we're sitting right by the dugout, you know, in between the dugout and like the Diamond Club area right there uh, up front. So John Middleton sitting a few seats over from us, and uh, he sees us. He gets two balls from the dugout. And uh, throws one to Robert. Robert catches it with one hand, throws one to Carson, and smokes him in the mouth. Carson missed the ball. You know, it was a great throw, but he missed the ball. So Carson good, I like that. That's a good. That's a good dad. It was a good throw. Carson. 
Yeah, it was a money throw. And John Middleton came over and watched the whole inning with us, uh, talked to Carson, um, the nicest guy ever. So he said if uh, we beat the Cardinals that he's going to bring me and my family to a game against the Braves. So, and he stayed true to his word and brought us to game three uh, for free. So uh, I was at that game. That game was wild. It was awesome. It was awesome. So yeah, we have a little history with John Middleton uh, in Houston. So, and then this happened in Houston. So it's like this ride's been nuts. That's, that's awesome. Carson, how was, uh, how's the game's been? What's the, you know, how you feeling? How how awesome is it? Yeah. The game's been good and I'm feeling good. Nice. Now, when when you go down to the to the game, what's like the order? What do you get pops to get you? Like, is it a hot dog? Yeah, hot dog, ice cream. Yeah, ice ice cream in the helmet. You know that. You know. You how about you, Rob? What's your order? Uh, ice cream in the helmet. I'll take like burger, hot dog. If it's in Philly, I'll take a cheesesteak. Oh boy. <laughs> now, Rob, when we're going uh, when we're going ice cream. Are we doing chocolate, vanilla, or just vanilla, vanilla just chocolate? Vanilla, vanilla. Just vanilla, vanilla okay. Vanilla right. with uh, rainbow sprinkles on, up top. I like I like that. Don't, you didn't call him Jimmy's. You're a real Philly guy. I like that. Well, you didn't call him Jimmy's. Yeah, you didn't call him Jimmy. What do you mean? Sprinkles. He's from the suburbs, man. He's uh, from the suburbs. I say Jimmy's. Skip. <laughs> I, I, I alternate. I alternate. You alternate? All right, that's fine. I say water sometimes when I want to be proper, but I say water a lot, too, right? So, um... So Carson, how do you feel about the rest of the uh, rest of the series? What do you have the Phillies going in five? Phillies in six? Phillies in seven? Ten. Six. Six. <laughs> he's he don't he's not good at math. It's all good. It's all good. So I saw I saw awesome. I actually was the one who who saw it and tweeted it out. Was you guys flew back at six in the morning? Yeah. So I I, I coach football. He they both play football. So uh, Saturday was a huge game for us and. Uh, you know, I, and I, I couldn't pass up for the opportunity to go to Houston in the World Series. So uh, Charlie uh, found a flight for me at 6 a.m. on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get no sleep. We didn't get no sleep. I mean, they fell asleep in the hotel for about an hour. But we got back to the hotel at 1.30 and then, you know, 3.30 up, car service at 4, airport, and then back home. It was, it was, it was wild. I didn't sleep at all. How'd you do in the game, Carson? Good. Yeah. Couple tackles. What, what position do you play? He he plays no uh, D tackle and right guard. Nice. And he's five he's five years old playing on a team with seven year olds. So he, he's, yeah, you're uh, six, 65 pounder. Yeah, Whew. yep. His first year, I, he was supposed to play in flag uh, for another year, but I I I skipped that and put him right in pads. I, I love I that. Would be beneficial. Talk to me about the the haircut. That's one thing I I freaking noticed. I loved it. The mullet. Yeah. Shave sides. Him he said, "Yo, stop! Yo, don't have your dad cut your hair or something." I seen a uh, post, you know, some hater or whatever. But no, he likes the little fro hog. He likes putting his hair up in a, uh, you know. So at the game, it was so humid. I did it. I, you know, mom wasn't there, so I tried to do his hair the best I could, you know. So uh, I gave him a little hawk. You know, he likes work rocking the mohawk. So um, it it all went out, and you know, he had his Bryce Harper band on, and he took that off. It was hot. It was really yeah. hot. So, um. So Carson, Halloween's tonight, man. I know you're the talk of the neighborhood. You thinking about like, hey, listen, I'm the guy who was on the news. Maybe instead of the fun size Snickers, I get the king size Snickers. Yeah. Rob, I gotta ask you, man. Uh, is Carson, obviously five years old, born in 2017. 
Is it a Carson yeah. Wentz? Is he born? 2016. 2016. So he was here before, and he's not car- uh, named after Carson Wentz. No, he's not was, named after Carson Wentz. No, it was it was between Chase and Carson, and uh, you know at the time, and we picked Carson, but it was a little bit before when we we decided before he got drafted by us. I love that. So at least, yeah. I mean, only one of them has a dog in them. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> See, no. I thought he was – so that was a real big thing when we tweeted it out and everything. They're like, this kid was definitely named after Carson Wentz. I'm glad we could put that one to, finally to bed. Nope. Uh, so, yeah. listen, man, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, yeah. I'm sure notice, too. Thanks, Good luck man. with everything. Hope they get yeah, game man. three in. And, yeah, uh, hey, Carson, anything you want to say to your fans that are listening right now? Let's go, Phillies. All right. Should do more pre-recorded interviews. Uh, so that's the uh, broadcast for today. I am Kyle. Thanks to Kevin. Thanks to Bob Wankel. Thanks to Carson and family for coming on. Uh, we will talk to you Thursday, hopefully when the fills. Uh, three and zero. Ready to go. Three and one. Excuse me. Fuck it. <laughs>